Hello, guys. Welcome to episode four of The Voice Note. My name is Gami, and I'm your host. How are we doing? Are you guys enjoying the Sorcerer's Stone deep dive? As I mentioned, that took me like 35 hours to finish, but I had so much fun making it. And this time, I'm like ahead of the game. I've already watched Chamber of Secrets. I've already compiled an amazing list of fun facts to share with you. So definitely be on the lookout for that episode. But Today, we are here to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I watched it on Tuesday, hashtag AMC Stubbs, $8 tickets, and I went into it without knowing a single thing. Obviously, I've seen that so many people have been rating this really poorly. On Letterboxd, which is like social media for movie lovers, people have been sharing their reviews, and I've seen so many one stars and like half stars. And so going into the movie, I did see those ratings, but I didn't read or listen or watch any kind of review. I wanted to go in there very unbiased. And unfortunately, I have to agree with everyone's rating of this. The thing that's so disappointing about it is that we all know how good a Marvel movie can be. And it just felt like such a missed opportunity. So so after watching it, I definitely had thoughts. So let's get into it. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. This movie was released on February 17th. It has a runtime of about 124 minutes. The budget was 200 million. And currently at the box office, it's made around 250, 250 million, obviously. And I have a theory. I think that people are going to the theater to watch this movie to see if it's truly as bad as everyone is saying. And unfortunately, guys, like, it is. Like, it just is. If I have to rate it out of 10 right now, like I hate to be brutal, but I would give it a 3 out of 10. 5 is way too high. 5 for me is like an average movie. Obviously, 6, 7 is above average. So it definitely does not deserve that. And it just sucks having to rate a Marvel movie so low because you know what they can do. You know the potential of every film. They've killed it so many times before. There's almost no excuse. And I'm just such a big fan of the MCU. It just sucks when your expectations aren't met and when a hero that is honestly one of my favorites doesn't get the film he deserves. Really quick, before we get into like my reasoning behind why I think it deserves a 3 out of 10, this is going to be a spoiler review. So if you haven't watched the movie, definitely go do that and come back. That's totally fine. But let's start with the cast. It stars Paul Rudd, the incredible Paul Rudd, I might add, as Scott Lang slash Ant-Man, Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van Dyne slash The Wasp, Catherine Newton as Cassie Lang, Scott Lang's daughter, Michael Douglas as Hank Pym, and the, ugh, chef's kiss iconic Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne. Her performance was great, but I want to give a special shout out. Personally to me, the MVP of this entire cast was Jonathan Majors, who plays Kang the Conqueror, our new MCU villain. This movie is the first installment of Phase 5, and I mean, that's another reason why it just, like, disappointed me so much, because Phase 4 wasn't that great, so I'm like, okay, here's their chance to really, you know, get it started with a bang, like, get started on the right foot and they didn't but despite this i think jonathan major's performance was one of my favorite parts of this entire movie he adds so much complexity to a character that the way that it's currently written 
in the script of this movie doesn't have much complexity. In a matter of 60 seconds, you see him go through like eight emotions. I honestly don't think that he was set up for success with this role, just because the writing sucks, if I'm being quite honest. Despite the hand that he was dealt, I think he made the most of it. And he really stood out to me. He's an incredible actor, so brava, clap clap for Jonathan Majors. And a few other call-outs regarding this cast. I really loved seeing William Jackson Harper, who plays Quaz, the mind-reading character, because he he plays one of my favorite characters in this show called The Good Place, and I will definitely make an episode on that. But I love that show, so I was happy to see him branching out of TV. But someone I was like kind of like eh, to see was Bill Murray as Lord Krylar. I feel like the whole surprise it's Bill Murray thing has gotten kind of old. Like how many times is he going to just come out randomly with a surprise appearance in a movie? It just feels a little played out at this point. I love Bill Murray. He's a legend, but he didn't really bring anything to this movie. It would have been fine with or without him. So it just felt a little gimmicky. And that is just like the tone of this whole movie. It's just one gimmick after another after another. So let's go through the list of things that just kind of jumped out at me during the movie, shall we? Number one, the character of Cassie Lang. I think Catherine Newton, who played Cassie, did a great job. This is no hate on the actress. It's purely on like the writing. We haven't gotten too much insight into Cassie as a character. But in the comics, she's smart. But in the movie, a huge thing that critics are are pointing out is that all of a sudden she's a super genius. It just seems like a bit of a stretch for me. And it rubbed me the wrong way that they're almost making her comparable to like a Tony Stark. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm here for the girl power. And like, I love, you know, women in STEM like that as a theme throughout the MCU, I think is really important. But please don't just throw around all these super genius teenagers left and right. That's something that we are seeing so much. And it just, it takes away from the believability. And it is a Marvel movie. Like, It's not supposed to be super realistic, obviously. But for example, Tony Stark was so amazing because his intelligence was one of a kind at the time. That's what made him Tony Stark. There wasn't anyone else like him, really. So now to just introduce super geniuses, it... It it feels like the MCU is losing a little bit of its integrity. I just think it takes away from what made Tony Stark, for example, so special because his intellect just felt like one of a kind. And now it's like a dime a dozen. I really struggle when filmmakers put something in front of an audience and just expect them to believe it fully. I'm just not, I'm just personally not someone that can do that. And on top of the fact that her genius felt a little bit out of left field, She's just so annoying. Oh my gosh, she's so unbearable to watch. In the first half of this movie, she's so naive. She's so judgmental. It is so tough for me to watch those scenes when she's telling her dad, like, what are you doing, dad? What what have you been up to? And he's like, I literally saved the entire universe. And she's like, okay, and now what? It's like, please, this man needs rest. He didn't just save Earth. He saved every other planet literally everyone ever he saved them okay he brought back people's loved ones like like please just give this man a fucking break and then she goes on to share this device that she's been secretly building with hope and with hank and within a matter of seconds you see janet michelle pfeiffer's character freak out pull the plug things go haywire and they all get sucked into the quantum realm so that brings me to my next issue if you will 
you get thrown into this quantum realm world. There isn't a clear vision for what this world looks like. I put in my notes that this movie was trying to be Dune, Avatar, and Star Wars. And it just didn't make sense to me. I really just didn't buy what they were trying to sell. The overall design of the sets, the environments, the characters, the costumes, it was all over the place. And there is no continuity at all. All the characters look like they've been picked out from random movies and just thrown into this one singular film. And it just doesn't make sense. We have like this pink alien. We have this robot looking thing. We have a being who says he's human but not and then never explains that and can also read minds. We have this like Viking warrior woman. And it's like, where did all these people come from? It doesn't feel like a singular society that they're living in. Like, how do they know each other? You know, it is just all over the place. Again, in my notes, and I hate to admit that I was that person with like brightness down. Don't worry, brightness down. But I was like hiding my phone under my jacket, like taking notes. (laughs) But in my notes, I wrote that it felt almost like an SNL skit. Like Land of the Lost. Like it was almost making fun of itself, but not on purpose. It was just so ridiculous. The creative direction just wasn't there. I personally think they were trying to replicate what they did with Doctor Strange. Because I I really loved that. I thought visually it was a masterpiece. I love those Inception kind of moments where like the streets would turn and bend. And like these buildings were warping. That was really cool. And that was very thought out and intentional. Nothing in this movie feels intentional. They kind of just threw things at the wall to see what would stick. A lot of the characters you can tell were designed for comedic relief, but they weren't even that funny. And it just doesn't feel unique. It feels like Star Wars at some points. It feels like Dune at others. It feels like Avatar. You know, like, I just don't think they knew what they wanted this to be. And overall, it felt very rushed. Something else I really disliked was the pacing in this movie. Ten minutes in, and we are already in the quantum realm. Ten minutes into the movie. I feel like that was such a missed opportunity to build some anticipation. And I also don't think as part of the audience that I was ready to be thrown into that world because I didn't know anything about it at all. You see a little bit of it in other movies, but you don't really know much about what Janet, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, went through during the 30 years that she was trapped in there before getting rescued. So going into it, I wasn't like, oh my god, what are they going to encounter? Oh no, oh no. Like, I didn't really think anything. I didn't I didn't know to be scared because they didn't set it up for me. I think a better way to have gotten us into the quantum realm would have been to first have a scene where Hope and her mom, Janet, are talking about her experience in the quantum realm and just saying like, hey, it's the it's the anniversary or, you know, whatever since you got back or something like that, right? One of the characters in this group should have known the details of how terrible this world was and then cut to a scene of... Cassie wanting to prove herself to her dad, Ant-Man, showing him this device that she's been working on. I mean, make it so that she was just working on the device alone as opposed to working on it with like Hope and Hank. And then have Janet come down to the basement, be like, what is that? Have Cassie be like, oh my God, it's this really cool device. We can explore the quantum realm and blah, blah, blah. And then have Janet freak out, have Hope back her up. And then instead of splitting up Scott and Cassie from Hank, Janet, and Hope, Have one person in each group know how dangerous this place is. It would have been really helpful had Hope been with Scott and Cassie. 
and not know the full truth because she didn't live in the quantum realm for the 30 years, but still have some kind of inkling as to what is dangerous and what isn't, just to increase the stakes a little bit. And then have Janet with Hank being our other guide. I think we just needed two guides. We didn't even have one. Because guys, I timed it. It takes an entire hour and 15 minutes for Janet to finally reveal what the hell is so scary about this place. She introduces us to a bunch of characters who know her. We get no insight as to the life that she lived when she was in the quantum realm. We know all these people know her. We just never get a true backstory. We just hear bits and pieces and the filmmakers ask us to put those together. You guys, I'm a smart girl, but I don't want to do extra work. Overall, there's no exposition into how scary the quantum realm is going in or while we're in it. Like I said, we're in the quantum realm for like an hour and 15 minutes and we still don't really get what we're all scared of, right? We're like looking over our shoulder and we're like, what, what are we supposed to be on the lookout for? We can assume it's King the Conqueror, but we don't know anything that he's done. We don't know the people he's hurt. And I think that lack of exposition honestly is just the nail on the coffin for me. At that point, I was like, I'm, I feel like I'm wasting my time on a story that I'm not even asked to care. And going back to the idea of like being emotionally invested, that is so important. You have to care about every character. These beings and creatures are obviously not human. So what is emotionally grounding this story? Nothing. Why is Scott risking his life? He actually isn't risking his life for these people. He's risking it for his daughter. And his daughter is just like, dad, we have to care. We have to care about everybody, you know, whatever. Yes, that is true. But even Scott doesn't really give a fuck about this war. He's only fighting in it because his daughter has been captured. What is the emotional point and the emotional message that the filmmakers wanted us to leave with? Only give a fuck if your daughter has been captured. Otherwise, do everything you can to go home and, you know, let people fight their own battles. That's what I got from it. So if my main character doesn't care, why am I going to care? The writing was just so all over the place. I don't know if, like, those main side characters are from, like, what do you even call it? The same tribe? I don't know why they're dressed that way. I really wish that they had given us flashbacks similar to that of like Gamora when Thanos captured her and adopted her as his daughter after ruining her planet. That was a really great way to show us the conflict that Gamora had with Thanos. I wish something similar to that happened with like this warrior lady or even with the pink alien. Where are their families? What happened to them? You don't know anything. You don't know anything. Going back to the whole gimmick thing and also touching upon the character design, I thought the character of Modok, like Darren, was so weird. It was, it was like Humpty Dumpty. It was Mr. Potato Head. It was George Lopez from Sharkboy and Lava Girl. Like it was funny, but not that funny. It was just really silly. And I know that the character design looks very similar to how it does in the comic book. But he didn't really feel like much of a villain. He didn't really feel like much of a threat. But the same goes for the villain of the entire film, who is Kang the Conqueror. He, like, tells Michelle Pfeiffer's character, like, look, ever since you went back home, I've built an empire. And he shows her the empire. And it's like, where did that come from? How did you do that? 
How did you conquer these people? Where do these people even come from? Because the flashbacks of Michelle Pfeiffer and Kang the Conqueror don't show anybody. It feels like they've been alone, just them two, for years. So it's like, where did all of these other people come from? I would have loved to see more about that journey and how he survived in the quantum realm. They talk such a big game about Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Janet, being like this rebellion fighter and this terrorist, but they don't show any of that. They don't show any of the true conflict that is driving forward this war. You just hear about it, but you don't get to see it. This isn't an audible. I want to see this. I want to see those scenes. I want to see a younger version of Janet fighting her ass off with a young Krylar, aka Bill Murray's character, fighting against Kang. I just felt like the stakes were so low the entire time because you don't really get to see the true extent of Kang's power. And it's not even like they were building up to like this huge reveal about how powerful the character of Kang the Conqueror is because we never even got that. I rolled my eyes at the end when the ants ended up killing him. It's like, okay, like that's convenient, right? The, the ants were introduced in the beginning of the movie you know, like, that was funny, but but I feel like, one, if this wasn't the first movie of Phase 5, and two, if Phase 4 hadn't sucked so bad, I wouldn't have disliked this movie so much, because there wouldn't have been a lot writing on it. But after such a disappointing Phase 4, like, the best movie was No Way Home, they needed this movie to be very successful, and they needed to take it a little bit more seriously. Like, if you're introducing this huge villain into the MCU, one who seems kind of comparable to that of Thanos, he you can't make him easily, like, defeatable by, like, a couple thousand ants, you know? I get it, they made the ants, like, super intelligent, like, whatever. I still felt that was really silly, and I didn't want this movie to be silly. I wanted it to be funny. But we didn't get that. We just got a lot of ridiculousness and silliness and it didn't take itself seriously enough. And I think that that's what led to my ultimate disappointment in the whole thing. I think that they've just kind of lost sight of why people love the film so much. In early Marvel, seeing a character like Tony Stark, just a human being who was very smart, felt like the coolest thing ever. Like, wow, look at this superhero. He's awesome. And it's and he didn't need all this like magic. He didn't need all these like crazy things to be a strong hero. But they've just lost complete sight of that. Something that this movie was missing was just heart. It didn't have that. You weren't rooting for anyone. You didn't really care about this war because you got no insight as to why this war even started you got quick little lines but nothing deep enough to really make you care and really make you feel like ant-man better save these people or cassie better save these people the wasp because they deserve to be saved like i didn't know anything about them i don't love as an audience member being told okay here fill in the blanks i think a good script means that the audience can just sit back relax and and have this story told to them i don't want to come up with the story overall i was just really bored I felt like I never really understood the motivations. I felt like I never really understood the world that we were exploring. I wasn't invested in the characters. And the very last thing I want to talk about is I don't think they did a good job of explaining what kind of energy. We have magic. Think Doctor Strange, Wizard. We have, we have witchcraft. Think Agatha Harkness. We have mutants. Think Wanda and her brother. We have ancient magic think Shang-Chi, and we also have tech, like 
like Tony Stark, Iron Man, and Captain America. Those those are incredible examples of like human ingenuity. And then we have advanced tech, which we see in Guardians of the Galaxy from these other planets, these other like very advanced societies. And in this movie, we see a lot of like glowing blue, right? We see the core of Kang the Conqueror's like machine, like his multiverse traveling machine. What is that? What what energy is being harnessed there? What kind of tech is this? They never place this movie in one of those separate categories that every other film in the MCU does. And I know that I've gotten a little heated <laughs> over over the course of this review. I just I feel like the Marvel team has everything they need to succeed. I just want them to huddle up and make sure the next one just feels intentional. I really don't think that that's too much to ask. But despite everything I just said, I do think that there were some good moments, right? Jonathan Majors crushed it, and those two end credit scenes were very, very cool. I was particularly impressed with that first one and seeing him, you know, act as, like, thousands of different, like, variants of Kang the Conqueror. I thought that was very cool, and that was the first time throughout my theater-going experience that I felt really excited for what's to come. And, I mean, that second end credit scene was insane i understand that kang was introduced during loki i haven't watched that in a really long time so i almost like forgot but but for those who don't watch loki for the people who don't have a disney plus account they definitely needed to set up his background a little bit more i also did laugh when modok slash darren was dying and he goes at least i'll die an avenger like everyone in the theater i was in laughed out loud like they couldn't hold back that laughter so that was like a fun experience but it didn't happen until the end of the movie so you know i i i took what they gave me but i ultimately left the theater pretty disappointed i am feeling hopeful for guardians of the galaxy and all the other projects that are coming out and also this is my opinion right if you love this movie love the movie i'm happy that you enjoyed it film is absolutely subjective so with that being said, thank you for joining me in this very quick Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania review. I do want to hear your thoughts on the movie. Please go back to my Instagram account, find my episode 4 post, and comment. I, I really want to hear it. So until next time, thanks for listening.